We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, how are we doing tonight? Welcome to the show, Ivy Nation Sports Talk. We are up. We are rolling with Vince D'Addario. I'm Sean Styers. We had uh, we had some fun internet, you know, computer stuff going on behind the scenes. I got to listen to Vince eat while I was trying to get everything <laughs> fixed. So that was enjoyable. Aren't you lucky? Glad to be here tonight. How are we doing? <laughs> oh man, it's Monday. I'm fired up. No better than a Monday after a win. You know what I'm saying? Whether you're That's a practice right. or whether you're covering the team, it just makes it's our things, first one. It just makes things a lot better when you get to talk about a W. First one for everybody. You know, and we had all the, you know, even you know, big drama last week. Marshall wins at Notre Dame Stadium. Tyler Buckner gets injured and all that kind of stuff. You know, so we had all that stuff to talk about. And now here we are. We yeah. we are we're ready to go. But a 24 to 17 win over Cal. Marcus Freeman finally has his first career victory after uh, beating Cal. Oh, and all kinds of drama, heart stomping drama coming right down to the wire Saturday. I mean, I'll tell you what, Drunk Vigo says uh, that uh, I'm not in Kansas anymore. That is very true, Drunk Vigo. But if you were listening, Ivy countdown to kickoff Saturday and you heeded my advice. You would have won money on Kansas. That's a true Saturday. statement. I told you to bet Kansas at plus nine and a half and to take the over as well. Bada bing, bada boom. They win outright and the game total goes over as well. So Rock now top, we've got three and O Kansas against three and O Duke. Mike Elko and Duke going to Kansas Saturday. They will face off. And for the first time this season, I think Kansas is going to be a favorite. So I don't even know where to go now. Here's what I also know, though. We have to make our upset picks, you know, every week when we do our picks. I need credit for my – because I've taken Kansas as an underdog on the road two weeks in a row, and I have won with both. I need credit for that. I'm. It's not showing in my picks. I need credit in my picks because Driscoll keeps a running tally. I need credit True. for picking two upsets in a row – on a team that's won all of three games, you know, like in the last four years combined, <laughs> so, you know, my, my alma mater. So, well, and, and to be honest, I don't, 
I don't think he even keeps track of the upset picks that that uh, we're supposed to. I know he does that kind of on the board or whatever, but I don't know if we're keeping track about you know if if the upset picks hit or not. Okay. So I don't even know. I mean, I have very good uh, question. That's that's my point. Board. Why are we yeah. making upset picks if no one's keeping track of them? Yeah, right? I mean, seriously, and 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 this is the first year that we've actually kept track of our records for predictions. We never even kept track before. It was just you know throwing some picks out into the wind, see what happens. I was like, I, I you know, we need to keep track this year. So we that's are right. actually doing it, and so far I've been decent at it. But uh, yeah, no, I this is. Uh, I'm impressed. My my upset picks I don't think have have hit. At yeah, all. And I need I need credit for my upset picks because my picks over the weekend took a beating, you know. So they they did not do well yeah. at all. Not at all. Well, don't forget hit the like button, subscribe, rate, review, all that great stuff. We're off and running right now. Marcus Freeman said at his press conference today, he's pretty much uh crossed all the firsts off his list now. At this point, first bowl game, first bowl loss, first road <laughs> loss, first home loss, and of course now, first win, which is also a home win. Now he's got to get his first road win. He'll have a chance right. at that this weekend at North Carolina, but uh, pretty ugly, you know, very ugly, I think, before you could say anything was pretty <laughs> in that game Saturday, Vince, and you know, again, coming out of the weekend, I know you've been talking a lot about it between the post game show and and uh, the, you know the Sunday show and all that kind of stuff. Upon further review, but how important do you think it is for Marcus Freeman just to get this win? Get you know, and the team basically gets this monkey off their back. They've got the first W of the you know of the season of the Marcus Freeman area era, and they can just move on now. Well, I, I think that there is something to say about that. I mean, I. I whether they want to admit it or not, I think getting that first win was on everybody's mind. You know, it might not have been at the forefront, but everybody was thinking about it. Everybody, you know, was looking forward to Marcus Freeman's first win or, you know, the, the 2022 team's first win, you know, all of these different things. Mm -hmm. And after they didn't get it last week, it had to be weighing on them this week. It's like, well, you know, if we lost to Marshall, I mean, we can lose to anybody on the schedule at this point. So, you know, where is that first win going to come? And, you know, all of these different things. And we know that it didn't come all that easy. But I, I think there's I, I think there's some legitimate, you know, some legitimacy to that comment because again, I don't I don't know that it was at the forefront. I don't know that it was right up front, but like, man, we gotta win this for Marcus. We gotta, you know, we we have for coach and you know, all of that. Right. But I, I think that that's legit. I, I think that they were it was a monkey on their back, no doubt about it. And they, they can put that one aside and now just focus on playing the game. I mean, and as, as silly as it sounds, I do think that was part of the equation. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I think especially after last week, losing to Marshall, it had to weigh a lot heavier because now... You've got all this disarray. You lose at home to Marshall. <laughs> Not that they knew it at the time, but Marshall ends up losing. And Marshall is becoming the official college football team of the NFL Network. They're, the NFL Network's televising college games this year, and it was oh, wow. Marshall last week, and it's Marshall again this week for whatever reason. We'll touch that in rapid fire. But I, I think they really they, they needed to get it. And the other thing that you always hear coaches say, and Marcus Freeman kind of touched on this today it's always easier to you know to to critique after a win Absolutely. than it is a loss everyone's in a lot better mood I think you know you're not as defensive and all those kind of things it's it's much easier to be constructively critical and to receive constructive criticism Absolutely. after you fight after you get that W than it is an L oh there's no doubt about it I mean you and I have coached you know before and, and when you're talking about a game I mean it's so much easier to go to practice after a win and you hey guys hey great win this is good stuff man but there's a lot of stuff that we got to clean up it, it's just it's like the good news bad news thing hey do you want the good news first or the bad news it's so yeah. much easier to get the good news first and then you know okay all right we got the good news and then here's the bad news here's the things we still really got to work on believe me there there is a mountain of things that this team still needs to work on on an individual basis, on a team basis, from a coaching standpoint, you know, all of those different things, but you got the win. And that is by far the most important thing, whether it was ugly or otherwise, and it was very ugly, they got the win. And it just makes it just makes practice so much easier. It makes the critique so much easier. It makes game film so much easier. <clears throat> I mean, even, even me, and I, I have nothing to do with this team as far as the outcome of games. It was so much easier to watch that film and critique it for last night's show than it was for the Marshall game. I didn't want to watch that. I wanted to burn that game film. You know what I mean? Well, there was at least some good stuff that you could pull out of this game as well. There was not much good that you could pull out of that Marshall game at all. Now, you know, you talk about good news, bad news. First half was a mess. That was the bad news. (laughs) With the exception of, of a cup, you know, one drive, handful of plays here and there. The first half was just a mess. And, we will talk about do your effing job in rapid fire. We will save that, that you know. So we've got uh, that coming up here in a little bit. But Drew Pine, Vince, you know, yeah. speaking of the good and the bad, seven of twelve for fifty-seven yards in the first half. Did throw the touchdown pass to Chris Tyree, but of course he fumbled the snap, yeah. and it was about as bad a beginning. Now it doesn't help when you've got third and inches and you're about to convert a first down 
on your very first drive and a wide receiver, a veteran wide receiver is, you know, offsides, that doesn't help. Yeah. But and, and that was part partially his fault, Pine's fault as well. He snapped yeah. the ball before Lindsay was ready to go and Lindsay was moving. Now, so this is twofold, right? Lindsay needs to be ready to go. He needs to be in the right spot. He was positioning himself to get onto the line of scrimmage while Drew Pine was snapping the ball. Now, number one, Lindsay should be lined up correctly in the first place. Number two, as the quarterback, Drew Pine needs to make sure everybody's set before you Gotta snap check. the ball. Yeah, so make sure everybody's set. There's a lot of blame to go around on that one, but you're absolutely right. That does not help the situation any at all. Yeah. He ends up going 17 of 23 after having a really good second half. He was 10 of 11, 93 yards, a touchdown. Uh, it, you know, in the second half, two touchdowns in the game, one to Mayer, one to Chris Tyree. And he just, to me, Vince, looked like a guy who settled down. He he did sure. not it, he did not look calm in the early going. Like we talked about, you know, the fact that he's got all, the, got all this energy and, you know, the swag and all that stuff as, as, as an asset for him. He, he just looked like he let it get the best of him out there in the early going in the first half, just the way he was missing so badly on so many easy passes well and and i think you can really look at this game you know not necessarily a game of two halves but a game of all the mistakes and getting yelled at and then after that like that is kind of the where i would draw the line and that kind of was the line you know like (laughs) again we're saving we're saving the reese explosion for rapid fire but after after he got his butt lit up Things changed. Well, he scored a touchdown. I mean, yeah. I mean, let's be honest. There was one, two, three, four, five offensive series. Okay. Obviously, none of them were successful. The last one ending up in a fumbled snap, which was a hundred percent Drew Pine's fault. Right. Okay. Somebody in the chat said that was that was uh, Carell's fault. No, it was not. No. Uh, but and then after no. that, then. <laughs> the offense starts to click. You start scoring touchdowns. You start getting field goals. You start doing different things. Like he started to settle down and, you know, was he too jacked up? I mean, he's a very emotional leader. We know this. We've seen it a million times at practice. He is the emotional guy. Was he too jacked up? I mean, he knew he was making mistakes when he put that one into the ground to Michael Mayer that was wide open. I mean, he immediately goes to the ground on his knees, you know, both his head and his hands as soon as it left his hand. I mean, he knew he was messing up. He knew he wasn't doing his job. So he finally settled down. And I will also say, and I said this in the post-game show, and I said it last night in the Upon Further Review, I was one of Tom Reese's biggest critics in the first two games for the game plan and everything else. His game plan on Saturday for a brand-new quarterback to get him kind of in the groove and get him in rhythm and all of those different things, it was spot on. I mean, it was a yeah. great game plan. There, If he completes some of those passes, we're talking about 10 to 20-plus yard, you know, completions. And and from a five-yard pass, you know, that one to, uh, to Styles that he put into the ground the very first play yeah. of the game, that should have been a 25 to 30-yard game right off the bat from a five-yard throw, and he didn't complete it. You know what I mean? So I was impressed with the game plan. You got to give credit where credit is due. It just he wouldn't. He, Tyler, I mean, excuse me, Drew just wasn't executing it until after he got his butt chewed. And yeah. you know what? 
credit to him for turning it around at that point. He responded. He responded. Exactly. That's exactly right. Led three touchdown drives, a field goal drive as well. You know, after all the three and outs, you know, to start the game. And it was just one of the least scintillating, least pleasing first halves I can remember in quite some time. But you're right. Tommy Reese called a great game. You know, just like I loved how they came out with all the 11 personnel and 21 personnel. Yeah. mixed in there yep. and you know, essentially pushed aside the 12 until later in the game, which we'll talk about in a little bit here. But, you know, mostly 11 and 21, 11 and then 21 in the first half, including the touchdown pass to Chris Tyree where they, I mean, he, you know, again, like you talk about, like he used a lot of pre-snap motion that like we talked yep. about to help Drew Pine figure out, is it going to be zone? Is it going to be man-to-man? And on that touchdown pass, how he used Estime going to his left, got the safety to move down, and then he had that wide-open seam, and he finds Chris Tyree. You know, just a nice little piece of chest there for for Tommy Reese. And Drew Pine finally, you know, know, again, like able to make a layup there on an easy pass, and you let a great athlete do his thing. No question. And and we talked about this, and upon further review, you know, Drew did a really good job of using his eyes and using a pump fake to go to the right to get rid of the other safety as well. So part of it was scheme in that uh, estimate when he went in motion and he went to the flat that took care of one safety. And then the eyes and the pump fake took care of the other safety and Chris Tyree was wide open. And so, you know, that was where, okay, Drew is finally starting to settle down. He understands what he's seeing. He understands what he's doing. And, I mean, he aimed that ball. I mean, there's no question about it. When he threw it, he kind of left his hand out there for a second, call it doing yeah. the Michael Jordan, you know, when he kind of <laughs> left the – during Utah, right. he, he kind of left it there. He he aimed that sucker, but it was so wide open. I mean, again, like you said, that was a layup throw. He hit it. That's he all that it. matters. It was a touchdown. Yeah. So, hey, we'll take it. And, hey, speaking of Chris Tyree, we finally got our wish, right? Everyone got their wish. Now, it, it turns out that – you know, Logan Diggs was sick. They said he would have been available if they needed to have him, but they end up basically Chris Tyree and Andrick Estime get all the snaps for the running backs. And lo and behold, they had their best running day of the game and combined they were just beasts. Chris Tyree, the lack of touches, he ended up with 17 carries yeah. for 64 yards, five receptions for 44 yards. He was averaging just six touches per game in the first two. And on that touchdown drive alone that he finished off, he had six touches for 47 yards. Yeah, I mean, we were talking, you know, 15 total would have been great, you know, going into the season. Like, that's kind of where we wanted to see Chris Tyree at 22, 22 touches. I mean, that's fantastic, you know. He was targeted five times in the past game. He had five receptions, you know. that's And he had 29 yards after the catch. That's what happens when you put a guy like that in space. And so – I I thought that, you know, I don't under I still don't understand why it took three games. I, I for the life of me, I still don't understand it. But I'm hoping that they figured it out. That hey, getting the ball in 25's hands is something that can be a positive for this offense, and it can be a positive for Drew Pine to get the ball into 25. And then, I mean, look, Audric Estime had three catches out of nowhere right he didn't right. he didn't have a reception coming into this game either 36 yards yeah yeah and he had seven uh 17 carries as well so 
I thought it was a great one-two punch, if I'm being honest. They were kind of switching them in and out, you know, mid-series and all of these different things, and it, and it worked. So, you know, are you going to need a third running back at some point? Yes, there's no question about it. But I really like the one-two punch of Estime and Tyree, for sure. And I, yeah, I mean, they they complemented each other well. And, like, Estime only had one carry in the first half, and he ends up 18 for 76 for the game. It, you know, it's basically like... Tyree with all this quickness and shiftiness and everything right. that he can do, it kind of gets it going. And then they just come in with the sledgehammer <laughs> estimate. And he was just slicing, through, you know, slicing through that Cal defense in the second half. It, it was, oh, yeah. it was, it was a joy to watch. He was named the offensive player of the game. What did you think about that? Like, I was a little surprised because I, like, I felt like Chris Tyree was the biggest difference to me in the offense. Oh. I think I still, I think I would have gone, you know, the coaching's coaching staff made the call and they said they, by the way, they only do it after wins. So this was the first time they did it. Estimate the offensive player of the game, Foskey, the defensive player of the game, Houston Griffith special teams. I was a little surprised it wasn't tight. I'm not trying to take anything away from Audrey sure. Estimate because he had a great game too, but it felt like Tyree was sort of, you know, again, Estimate had one carry in the first half. Tyree was there the whole game long. Well, and if I'm being honest, all three of those, I would have had somebody different. Uh, there, I mean, I, I probably would have had Chris Tyree for offense. I would have had Jacob Lacey for defense. And I probably exactly. would have had John Sott for for special yeah. teams. I mean, he has he does he's deserved that award all three games, frankly. He has. But, he has. I mean, he's been a huge bright spot. He's an all-American, for goodness sakes. And uh, yeah, so I would have had a different person for all three of those. Now, I will also say this coaches pick certain guys for certain reasons right maybe we're giving somebody a little confidence a little shot in the arm again Isaiah Isaiah Foskey showed up finally in this game he he didn't really he was kind of invisible the first two games so hey it's like hey buddy here we go you know player of the game this is you let's go keep it up you're gonna need Isaiah Foskey moving forward right I mean you're, you're gonna need him to be the leader on your defense so I get it uh but hey it is what it is yeah, Ed said, you know, estimate probably picking up blocks really well in the backfield. He did. He did, he, they both he did, did. that for sure. Yeah. yeah, they both did. There's no, there's no doubt about it. I, I just think from a difference maker standpoint, I would have, I would have picked Chris Tyree. But again, so too. we are splitting hairs a little bit here too. You know, estimate had a good game. I mean, you could, could have given it to the left side of the offensive line if you wanted to. I mean, they had a really good game. Excuse Tyler me, Evans so. was listening. Tyler Evans was listening this weekend. Said he won his <laughs> KU bet. Thanks for the See? win. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> Again, right. it's going to be tougher now because they're not an underdog. I like them better as the underdog. You know, I, I can feel pretty good about. But nobody wants the target on their back. That's Everybody right. wants to be the underdog. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> right. Uh, we also got the te- the uh, debut of. Tobias Merriweather, he comes in on the touchdown drive in the first half. That's true. And as soon as we knew they were going to throw the ball, he was off the field. And that is, look, we were begging for him to be on the field. Baby steps. He's on the field. Now they need to have him on the field for when they actually throw the ball. That would be fantastic. And it would be great if he got targeted. That would be nice as well. But he did get his feet wet. He... And I don't know if this is accurate or not, but, you know, he he didn't go in motion on one play and the play kind of blew up and we never saw him after that. 
I don't know if that's why. I don't know if that was by design well, or whatever. And we but... did because we, you know, I was sitting next to you. I had the binoculars out, and I was like, "Pine's waving at somebody to go in motion," and it sure looked like it was he was looking yeah. right at Tobias Merriweather. And then yeah. rewatching the game, Jason Garrett said the same thing. Yeah. Jason Garrett, by the way, I think week one to week two, he's made some improvement. Can we? I mean, I know this wasn't necessarily on the list, but I listened to most of the game with the two announcers uh, on right. purpose this time. I actually didn't mind it. They didn't do a terrible job this time around. Now, there were a few bits and pieces where I was like, really? Come on. But I thought their ebb and flow was a little bit better. I thought that Jason Garrett's analysis was a little bit better. I thought I thought Jack got out of the way of uh, the color a little bit better this time around. I agree because yeah. there was I, it felt like there was more Jason Garrett this yes. time. And I never found myself like I never would have thought again, be, if, full disclosure, being a Cowboys fan. So, you know, completely, sure. you know, used to seeing Jason Garrett. I never thought I would be saying, man, I need more Jason Garrett. But yeah, I felt like there was the appropriate amount of Jason Garrett and he had some pretty good comment. You know, I'm not going to say it was like a 100% spot on, but he knew his stuff and you're, you're right. It felt like Collinsworth kind of slid out of the way more this time and let Garrett kind of feast on, on some of that stuff when it was time to. So, I mean, if we're going to be positive about Notre Dame and some different things that they were doing, I'll be positive about the guys in the booth and we can do that better. They got better from week one to week two, as far as the home games are concerned. So they did what? Hey, I just, I will also say that I don't like the fact that the Notre Dame broadcast is the proving ground and the place to get better, but they did get better from week one to week two. So, hey, I'll give credit where it's due. Yeah, completely agree with all of that. As for Tobias Merriweather, you know, again, not targeted, didn't see him after that. And Marcus Freeman, he was asked about him today and was basically saying, you know, you're in a close game and you have to have the guys out there you can trust who are you know 100% going yeah. to do their job when you're in a close game like that. So that's, you know, without saying that's why we didn't put him back in, that's well, why they didn't put him back in. There, there was a lot of mistakes uh, by the wide receivers that were playing, and so that was a little bit disturbing. I mean, I guarantee you Tobias Merriweather can whiff on a block just as easily as a couple of the <laughs> other guys did as well. True but, story, too. I mean, that's just me kind of being bitter and, and complaining because there were some really poor downfield blocks by the wide receivers on Saturday. Again, it wasn't the difference in the game, but if if I don't understand why we're holding a freshman to a different standard than we hold these you know guys that have been around the program for, for a lot longer. But say lovey. Hopefully he gets more yeah. time in week four. So which of the two lines, offensive, defensive, which one impressed you the most, Vince? You know, it depends on your definition of impressed, to be honest with you, because I thought there was the most growth from the offensive line, so that impressed me, but yeah. I thought the overall play, the defensive line was better. Does that make sense? And it, and specifically the interior of the defensive line. I thought those guys played out of their mind, if you're talking about Jason Adamalola, Jacob Lacey. I, I thought... Those guys just played fantastic. I mean, how often does a, a defensive tackler and nose have two sacks in a game and look as agile as he did on those two sacks, you know? And, and I thought that they played really, really well. I, You know, I thought Isaiah Foskey played pretty darn well. I thought Justin Adamalola played pretty darn well. 
Still looking for a little bit more out of uh, Riley and Nana, but Nana did a good job setting the edge on the run in the run game. So maybe, you know, not necessarily stuffing the stat sheet, but I thought as a whole, I thought the defensive line played really, really well. So I would give the nod to the defensive line. Who knew you were going to need to put a spy on Jack Plummer, right? (laughs) I mean, man, and that's, the the defensive line was just flat getting after it, especially when they needed to be getting after it in the fourth quarter. I mean, they were just wolves out there going after red meat, you know, yes. in, in that in that fourth quarter and nearly coming up with that safety and just going after Plummer again and again. It just it 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 got definitely frustrating watching Plummer slip out of some of that pressure though and be able to take off downfield the way. He was. It's like you know. Okay, where where are the linebackers? <laughs> you know, well, it's, that, it's like you're always trying to was, figure that out. The, there were numerous occasions where he was able to scramble for a first down, third downs, and long, fourth downs, and long. I mean, it was it was very frustrating. And the big one where he got loose was the third and twelve, right? And three defensive linemen got above the quarterback as they were rushing. You know, that's great if you can get your hands on the quarterback, but they didn't, and it left a giant hole. And then you had a linebacker who was following a running back, which was completely unneeded. So, again, it was a twofold problem, and it allowed him to escape for like a 20-plus yard run, which was ridiculous. I mean, this guy's not even a mobile quarterback. Well, doesn't it get frustrating, too, though, to see linebackers run into the arms of guys, you know, who are are trying to block them? It's like – do you, do you not know how to blow that guy up? I mean, literally, just blow him up. Right. <laughs> you know, that's no, that's no literally doubt. your job. Or at the very worst, you know, like on the one that you're talking about where Ott blocked Leofow, it's like, okay, at the very least, you need to take an outside angle to, you know, to the outside shoulder of the running back right. to try to force Plummer back inside, not let him outside, you know, forcing back inside where the traffic is, where there were some more yeah, guys absolutely. who could have caught up to him. It's just little basic things well, yeah. like that. You go over the top. He should have gone over the top on that, not tried to go underneath and get behind. The right. Corner. Exactly. I mean, it, exactly. It makes no sense. I mean, and that's, that's a pursuit drill situation that you run in middle school. You know what I mean? And that, I think again, such a fundamental issue on that type of thing that is super frustrating. And we saw, uh, Maris do something silly like that. We saw uh, Bo Bauer fall for a, a pump fake and then get around the, you know, then Plummer got around the corner on him. You know what I mean? It's just, just really poor fundamental pursuit, to be honest with you. And you allowed a very non-mobile quarterback, by the way, to look very mobile. And yeah. that was a big, big problem defensively. You know, other than that, the defense played pretty darn well. But that's a pretty big other than that, and and that's something that they're going to have to clean up moving forward. Oh, absolutely. They have to. You know, again, like we were talking about O-line or D-line, it's it's really hard to pick because, like, when you look at what Jacob Lacey and Howard Cross are doing combined right now, I mean, Cross had seven tackles, an interior defensive lineman. He's leading the team with 21 tackles right now. And, and, And Cross or Lacey rather had five tackles and two sacks himself. I mean, they are flat getting after it yeah. inside. It is in and, and like that. I think what you like, what we saw again, you know, more in the second half in the fourth quarter, that's what we anticipated this defensive line was going to be like. And if you can cause that kind of havoc with just those four guys, it frees up everybody else for you know, obviously for everything else. And, you know, so 
I, I was still very impressed with the offensive line. Again, as the game went on, they got better and you saw sure. fewer mistakes, you know, like they put the false starts and all that stuff behind them for the most part. But like just the fact that they actually had some push up front against what we were kind of concerned about was going to be a pretty stout Cal sure. defensive front. They, you know, they were pushing those guys backwards three and four yards on some of those run plays. Well, yeah, if we want to talk about the offensive line, I thought from center to the left played really well. I mean, it played right. really well. And, you know, Zeke Carell has taken a lot of heat and deservedly so over the first couple of weeks with, with some of his play, but he played well on Saturday. I mean, he had a tough task. If you're just talking about one-on-one -on -one matchups, he had a really tough task. He had to deal with two guys over 300 pounds. One was 315. I think one was 355 and he was getting push. I mean, he was moving guys, you know, in this, you know, in this offense, they were reestablishing the line of scrimmage in their favor, which hasn't been the case so far this year. So, the let and I thought Patterson had a really good game outside of that Mike Fire where they got sacked on the first drive. Other Very than first, that, yeah, I, I thought Patterson had a really good game, and I thought Joe Alt played really, really well as a whole. They the, the offensive line did really well in pass protection. You know, again, outside of that Mike Fire, they did really well in pass protection. Drew Pine had days to throw the football back there. Now he wasn't pulling the trigger at first. But he had days to throw the football, and so the communication has gotten better. The execution has gotten better. I need to see the right side kind of step up their game just a little bit. I, I expect more, you know, from that guard and that tackle. But, you know, we are baby stepping forward, and I thought the left side took a big step. They need to keep taking those steps. But as a whole, I thought pass protection was really good. Yeah. A100 <laughs> with some more uh, critical analysis of NBC saying NBC's presentation is pretty low rent. I, I mean, I you know, I don't have a problem with a color analyst cutting his teeth on, on you know, especially right. this is a guy, Jason Garrett, who's been around. He's been an NFL head right. coach. He's won, you know, he's won playoff games and, and all that. I don't have a problem with the analyst cutting his teeth. I do have a problem yeah. with the play-by-play -play guy because the play-by-play -play guy is supposed to be the professional. And as we've talked about, Vince, he's supposed to be sort of helping that yeah. new analyst along. And it's just right. such a huge drop going from Mike Tirico to a 27-year-old right. whose only play-by-play -play football experience is doing USFL over the summer. No doubt about it. And it, it would look, it would have been a drop-off from really anybody within the NBC stable or whatever, however you want to, you know, categorize it. Right. Uh, it would have been a drop off from anybody from Mike Tirico to whoever, but yeah. this was, I mean, massive. I mean, it was, it was Canyon esque, you know, if, if we're talking about that drop off and, and again, I thought Jason Garrett is, is doing a pretty decent job, uh, but it's so much easier to bring along a color guy because a lot of times, the color guy doesn't have a lot of experience because it's a former player or it's a former coach or whatever yeah. the case may be. And frankly, play-by-play -play guys are used to be having to bring along a color guy, you know, somebody without That's experience and, and, and propping them up and, you know, giving them some layups and things like that. Jack doesn't know how to do that. Now he did better in week two than he did in week one, but you know, I just don't like the fact that he has to learn on the job. I agree with all that. We'll have plenty of time to uh, to get into that more oh, yes. as the season goes along as well. Okay, a couple end-of-half 
things I want to ask you about before we move into rapid fire here in a few minutes. So Notre Dame punted with six seconds left in the first half. There were actually a lot of people saying, oh, you need to take a shot at the take a shot at the end zone. What do you think? Should they have taken a shot at the end zone in that situation? I was 50-50 on it. I mean, you really don't lose anything from taking a shot there. The only thing you might lose is maybe you lose some Drew Pine confidence if he throws a pick or, you know, something along those lines. I mean, you don't really have any – like I said, you don't have anything to lose. Uh, I already said that John Sod is your MVP. So, uh, you know, putting the ball in his hands, I don't have a problem with that either, to be honest, because I trust what John Sott is going to do with the football yeah. in his hands. Would that have been the difference in the game? No, I don't think it would have been the difference in a game. You're literally throwing up a Hail Mary. If he catches it, I guess great. But if not, you know, I it's a very small percentage of completing that pass for something that is going to change the game. So I really don't have an issue with it. It doesn't, I don't know. It, do, it didn't bother me the way it bothered a lot of people. And, and I wasn't even thinking about it at the time. I, I, you know, I was thinking it's 10 to seven. You're probably lucky that it's 10 to seven right now because 90% of the first half was just a hot dumpster fire. And to, to be within three points, uh, Taking a shot at the end zone was the last thing I was thinking. It's like, yeah. okay, get get to halftime, regroup. You don't want any disastrous things happen, and the next thing you know, you're down seventeen to seven instead right. of only down by a field goal in halftime. So I had no, I had no problem with them doing what they did. Like to me, even like like John Sott, like you said, I don't have a problem with him, but still, like, what if you have a high snap or you know you get a good rush sure. and and the punt is blocked and you know like. Any of those different things. I almost would have thought about just running the ball <laughs> one more time, you know, but I, I I don't know. Taking a shot at the end zone was the last thing I was yeah. thinking about because of the way the first half went. Right. And and look, I get it. I see where people are coming from. They're starving for offensive points. They, they want to try to put some points on the board. And I believe Marshall received the second half kickoff. And so, of course, you you know, you want to maybe try to get some points on the board before they get the ball in their hands and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. I get it. But throwing a Hail Mary, what, I mean, the odds of you completing that are pretty low because Marshall, I mean, uh, Cal would have put everybody they had in the end zone and it would have been a very similar scenario to the end of the game. And that wasn't completed either. So, I don't know. I, it just didn't bother me. I wasn't even thinking like that. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Derek obviously thinks that uh, 
Steve Angeli is Uncle Rico and could throw oh. a Hail Mary, a, you know, from, yeah. from midfield to touchdown Jesus. <laughs> He's going to throw the ball over that mountain over there. Oh, so. my goodness gracious. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. All right, what about the end of the game? I, I, I know pretty much what this answer is going to be because I was sitting next to you listening to your critique of how Notre Dame handled its final offensive possession before punting to Cal with a little bit more than a minute remaining. So they basically decided it's time for 13 personnel. We're going to stuff the ball into the line of scrimmage, and they ended up punting. What did you think about how Marcus Freeman and Tommy Reese handled that? So I realize this is a also a podcast, so I will say what this says. But if you look at my notes, what does that say? Not, not happy. happy. I was not happy with that particular drive. You gave it to estimate three times. You gained one yard every single time, and then you punted, right? And yeah, they took the delay of game to give John Sod a little bit more room and all of that. Me, personally, I wanted to see them continue to run the ball correctly like within the offense not 13 personnel we're just going to shove it up the middle to try to run clock right run your offense go down there at the very least put up a field goal so that you're up two scores okay? right put the game away put the nail in the coffin so that we're not you know testing the validity of your pacemaker at the end of the game <laughs> with a hail mary okay like yes oh. yes and that's that I basically what you just said right there. I had no problem with them running the ball because Cal had burned all its timeouts. They started burning their timeouts early because Notre Dame was starting to run the ball effectively, and he was trying to to keep himself as much time as possible at the end. I guess in a way it paid off. I just wouldn't have gone with the thirteen personnel because you know again I don't like the twelve. I don't like the thirteen because they gain right. no advantage. With who they with those with, with who they have as their extra blockers by right. inviting the defense everyone into the box like that they gain no advantage by doing that with their twelve or thirteen personnel. I would just rather see them, as you said, run the regular offense. You can keep running the ball, but do it from eleven or twenty one like they were doing when they were having success in the second half. Right, doing it. Just keep that personnel out there. Get just just stop thinking about this thirteen because it gains you no advantage at all. They were lucky to get a couple of yards out of it, and then they're punting again. Right. So I, but I had no problem time. with running the ball. Yeah. Yeah. And and look, if you want to go twelve and thirteen, then give me a play action. You know what I mean? Give me give me something that shows that you're trying to get a first down because in all reality, I wanted them to score, but all they needed was a first down. I mean, they gave the ball back to Cal with over a minute to play. It was a minute three. Now, that last drive was crazy town. I mean, don't get me wrong. You had, oh, my gosh. I mean, yeah. you had the targeting. You had the interception. You had the sack that wasn't a sack, and it was a return, and then the clock situation and the reviews. <laughs> it's and like two different times a team that has not ha caused a turnover looked yes. like they had sealed the game with a turnover, and then it gets yanked away. And if you're Marcus Freeman – You've got to be feeling like you are the most snake-bitten coach in the world oh. as you stand there and watch first an interception on the first drive that is taken away because of the targeting, and then you know the the uh, Tariq Bracy touchdown that's that's taken off the scoreboard yes. because it's like you get a sack, but oh my goodness, 
Well, it's funny because somebody, somebody at, well, what are you feeling, you know, as the game is, is wearing on there at the end, you know, that last drive, et cetera. He's like, well, I had a conversation with God. Like, <laughs> That's right. <laughs> that was the most honest answer I've ever heard. And I thought That's it was right. To be honest That's with right. you. I mean, that was because I would have been doing the He's same like, thing. Like, I just converted. <laughs> I just became a Catholic. What 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 is I mean, going on here? <laughs> I, I thought that that was actually j- just awesome uh, in, in his response there. But I mean, what else could have gone wrong except for them catching Hail Mary at the end? Which, frankly, without watching it on TV, because I was, we were watching it live from nine stories up, I didn't see the ball squirt out. Wasn't sure and what happened there. For I thought a second. he caught it. To be yeah. honest with you, I thought the kid caught it. I was like, you have got to be kidding me. You know, of all the endings. And that would have taken the cake. Yeah. Oh, you know, and then they go for two and win the game. You know, like that's somebody said that in the chat. Yes, that's what would have happened. They would have gone for two. They would have won the game and we'd be talking about 0 and 3. So yes. it's just, oh, you love But they got the win and that's what matters. So, yeah. Austin with a comment says it was disappointing seeing no deep shots in this game, but Cal's D is designed to prevent that Bet we see some this week. Yeah. And I, I think that between a couple of different things, you've got an offensive line that had been struggling. You had a defensive front that next to Ohio state, you know, was the next best defensive front that you've seen through, through the first three games this season was supposed to be pretty formidable. And, you know, so you you know, so you, if you're going to take deep shots, You've got to have more time in the pocket. And Drew Pine does not have Tyler Buckner's arm either. So I just think there are a lot of variables. I, you know, I think as as this season goes on, he'll probably, you know, he'll he'll take some shots. But this, I, the game plan was designed to let Drew Pine be as successful, get as confident as possible. It took yes. longer to get confident because of those early mistakes that were self-inflicted. Right. But that, that's it was all it was all designed around you know new quarterback and all these other issues that you've had. Yeah so far and and then that was the game plan wasn't to go deep they didn't need to go deep especially with the way that the offensive line was playing I, I think that the, you'll see the offense open up a little bit more as Drew Pine gets a little bit more comfortable and as the people get more comfortable with Drew Pine for that matter I mean he he was the number two quarterback he wasn't throwing to these wide receivers he wasn't dealing with this offensive line I mean he's got to get used to those guys just like they've got to get used to him so you know the comfortability will grow and they are going to face a defense that is nowhere near as good as Cal this coming week. And so you're going to be able to do more things anyway. And so, yeah, I think those shots will come. They won't look the same as if Tyler Buckner was there. Tyler Buckner has a stronger arm. That's just that that's not me. That's just analyzing the facts, right? I mean, he just does. Yeah. That's not subjective. That's, that's, that's just, that's easy yeah i mean that's an easy one uh i heard somebody say some an analyst say that you know he expected to see more long balls because drew pine's arm was stronger i was like what are you watching like where somebody said that yeah Mm -hmm. yep okay so i'll tell you who later but yeah i'd like to hear that yeah so let's (laughs) just say i was driving in my car and i started laughing out loud so yeah so anyway but no it, it it'll look different. It'll look a little more play action ish. It'll be, you know, that kind of a thing, but yeah, I think that they will try to stretch the field a little bit more. Vigo wants to know if pine is a poor man's Ian book. I mean, I hate the poor man's analogy, but it's, I don't right. think it's I mean, I don't think there's some similarities. Yeah. I think he's not as good a runner as Ian book was. 
you right. know, I, I think I think we kind of saw that a little bit, but you know, I think he will take more chances than Ian Book did. But from a physical arm strength type standpoint, Ian Book's arm was stronger, so maybe that's the poor man's part of it, you know. But similar build, you know, that kind of a thing. So I could see that that uh, comparison. Ian Book was a better quarterback. All right, well, Vince, that's going to do it for tonight. Have a great night. Everybody else have a great night as well. And we will be back here, of course, once again tomorrow. Don't forget, hit the like button, rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. Vince, there was a lot of speculation on what jersey Vince was wearing. He's got his David Ross World right. Series champion Chicago patch. Cubs jersey on tonight. Yep. It was jersey day at school, so I had nice. All right. Good stuff. All right. We will talk to you tomorrow. Ivy Nation Sports Talk. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around, a watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom, and a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.